Chapter 11 of Grandmother Elsie. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Ruhi Hutt. Grandmother Elsie by Martha Findy. Chapter 11. Bear a fair presence, though your heart be tainted. Teach sin the carriage of a holy saint. Shakespeare the children walked very fast glancing this way and that till satisfied that there was no longer any danger of encountering mrs crimp then their pace slackened a little and they breathed more freely won't she be mad because you came without asking her lou queried max i suppose so what'll she do about it scold 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 and threatened to make me fast but she knows she can't do that i always manage to get something to eat I found a key that fits the pantry door, so I just help myself. She doesn't know about the key and wonders how it happens. Thinks she forgot to lock it. But Lulu, you wouldn't steal. Tain't stealing to take what Papa pays for. Max, you're too stupid, cried Lulu indignantly. Max gave a long, low whistle. Fact, Lulu, that's so. Our father does pay for more than we can possibly eat and expects us to have all we want. Do you get enough, Max? Yes, and right good too. Mrs. Fox is real good and kind, but he's just awful. I tell you, Lou, if I don't thrash him within an inch of his life when I grow to be a man, it'll be queer. Tell me about him. What is it he does to you? Well, in the first place, he pretends to be very good and pious. He preaches and prays and talks to me as if I were the greatest sinner in the world, while all the time he's ten times worse himself and the biggest kind of a hypocrite. He tells me it's very wicked when I get angry at his hateful treatment of me and gets as mad as a march hare himself while he's talking about it. Well, I'd let him storm and never care a cent. Yes, but that isn't all. He beats me dreadfully for the least little thing and sometimes for nothing at all. One time he bought a new padlock for the barn door and pretty soon it disappeared. He couldn't find it anywhere. So he called me and asked me what I had done with it. I said I hadn't touched it, hadn't seen it, didn't even know he had bought one, and that was the truth. But he wouldn't believe me. He said I must have taken it, for I was the only mischievous person about the place, and if I didn't own up and show him where it was, he'd horsewhip me till I did. Oh, Max, the wicked old wretch, cried Lulu between her clenched teeth. What did you do? You couldn't tell a lie. No, I thought I couldn't, Lou, and oh, I'm so ashamed, said Max, growing very red and tears starting to his eyes. But he beat me and beat me and beat me till I thought he'd kill me, and so to stop him at last I said I took it, but I didn't gain anything. For, of course, he asked me next where it was, and I couldn't tell him because I didn't know. So he began again, but I fainted, and I suppose that scared him and made him stop. He didn't say anything more about the padlock till weeks afterward it was found in the hay, and it was clear that I hadn't anything to do with it. Oh, the old wretch, cried Lulu again. Did he tell you? Then he was sorry for having abused you so when you were innocent? No, indeed, not he, he said. Well, you didn't deserve it that time, but I've no doubt you've escaped many a time when you did. Max, I'd never stand it. I'd run away, exclaimed Lulu, 
stopping short and facing her brother with eyes that fairly blazed with indignation i've thought of that lou i've felt tempted to do it more than once max said with a sigh but i thought how papa would feel hearing of it i'd rather bear it all than have him feel that his son had anything to disgrace him max you're better than i am cried lulu with affectionate warmth i'd never have thought of anything but how to get away as fast as possible from that horrid horrid beast of a man papa thinks he's good and that's the reason he put me with him but don't i wish he knew the truth i should think the old rascal would be afraid of what papa may do when he comes and hears all the things you have to tell i suppose he thinks papa will believe his story instead of mine and perhaps he will said max a little sadly no don't you be one bit afraid of that cried lulu hotly papa knows you're a truthful boy his children couldn't be liars but you know i can't say any more that i've never told an untruth said max coloring painfully well you couldn't help it lulu said trying to comfort him i'm afraid that i might have done it myself to keep from being killed hello here comes jim cried max with a sudden change of tone his face brightening wonderfully as a lad somewhat older in appearance than himself and carrying a fishing rod over his shoulder came hurrying down a lane and joined them hello max he said we've a splendid day for fishing haven't we then in a whisper who's this you're digging along my sister lulu max answered aloud she'll help us dig worms for bait won't you lou yes if you let me fish a little after you've got some good morning miss lulu said jim lifting his hat good morning she returned giving him a careless nod it's a long walk for a girl he remarked oh said max laughing she's half boy ain't you lou i suppose if you mean in walking jumping and running aunt beulah calls me a regular tomboy but i'd rather be that than stay cooped up in the house all the time they had now left the town behind and presently they turned from the highway and took a narrow path that led them deep into the woods now in the very height of their autumnal beauty the sun shone brightly but through a mellow haze the air was deliciously pure cool and bracing the children's pulses bounded they laughed and jested the boys whistled and lulu sang in a voice of bird-like melody oh max she said i wish gracie was well and with us here yes so do i he answered but isn't likely she can ever be as strong like you and me lou well i'll tell her all about it and take her all the pretty things i can find oh what a lovely place as they came out upon the shore of the pond a tiny sheet of clear still water surrounded by woods and hills except where a rivulet entered it on one side and left it on the other yes assented jim it's a right nice place is miller's pond and has lots of nice fish in it the boys laid down their rods lulu her basket and all three fell to digging for earthworms when they deemed that they had a sufficient quantity of bait the lads seated themselves on the roofs of a fallen tree close to the water each with fishing rod in hand and lulu picking up her basket wandered off among the trees and bushes don't go too far away and get lost max called after her no she answered i'll not go out of sight of the pond so i can easily find my way back but don't you go off and leave me no if you're not here i'll hallo when we're most ready to start 
what treasures lulu found as she wandered here and there every now and then turning to look for the pond and make sure that she was not losing herself there were acorn cups lovely mosses beautiful autumn leaves red orange golden and green there were wild grapes too and hazelnuts brown and ripe of all these she gathered eagerly until her basket was full and thinking that some would delight gracie others propitiate aunt beulah and now she made her way back to the spot where the boy still sat each with his line in the water have you caught any she asked yes said max i've caught six and jim has eight there i've got another giving his line a jerk that sent a pretty speckled trout floundering in the grass i'll take it off the hook for you said lulu springing forward and dropping on her knees beside it and then you let me try won't you yes max answered in a half reluctant tone getting up to give her his place there are hazel nuts right over there in a little way lulu said pointing with her finger oh then i'll have some cried max starting on a run in the direction indicated he came back after a while bringing some in his hat picked up some stones and seating himself near the others cracked his nuts sharing generously with them presently lulu had her first bite succeeded in bringing her prize safely to land and was quite wild with delight max rejoiced with her taking brotherly pride in her success you'll do for a fisherman or fisherwoman he said gaily i shan't be much surprised if you beat me at it one of these days then struck a sudden unwelcome thought i wonder what time it is he exclaimed jumping up from the ground in haste and perturbation don't you suppose it's noon yet jim which way is the sun queried the latter glancing toward the sky it ought to be right overhead at noon why it's down some toward the west i shouldn't wonder if it's as late as two o'clock two o'clock cried max in dismay and i was to be back by noon won't i catch it and he began gathering up his fish and fishing tackle in great haste jim doing likewise with the remark that he would be late to dinner and maybe have to go without lulu was giving max all the assistance in her power her face full of sympathy max she whispered hurrying along close at his side as they started on their homework way don't let that horrid cruel wicked man beat you i wouldn't i'd fight him like anything max shook his head twouldn't do any good lulu he's so much bigger and stronger than i am that fighting him would be worse for me than taking the thrashing quietly i could never do that she said but don't wait for me if you want to go faster i don't said max well i believe i'd better make all the haste i can said jim so good-bye and away he sped oh if papa only knew all about how that brute treats you sighed lulu max can't we write him a letter i do once in a while but old tom always reads it before he goes i wouldn't let him i'd hide away somewhere to write it and put it in the post office myself i have no chance he gives me only a sheet of paper at a time and must always know what i do with it it's the same way with my pocket money so i can't buy postage stamps and i don't know how to direct the letter either oh dear and it's just the same way with me sighed lulu when will papa come i'm just sick to see him and tell him everything when they reached mrs crimp's door max gave lulu his string of fish saying here take them sis 
it's no use for me to keep em for i shouldn't get a taste and maybe they'll put her in a good humour with you thank you she said oh max i wish you could eat them yourself her eyes were full of tears i'd rather you'd have em you and gracie he said cheerfully good-bye good-bye she returned looking after him as he hurried away whistling as he went he's whistling to keep his courage up oh max poor max i wish i could give that man the worst kind of a flogging lulu sighed to herself then turned and went into the house she heard mrs crimp's voice in the kitchen scolding anne for letting the bread burn in the oven it was an inauspicious moment to appear before her but lulu marched boldly in holding up her string of fish see aunt beulah they're just fresh out of the water and won't they make us a nice dinner ah they're your favourite fish ma'am them pretty speckled trout is put in anne glad to make a diversion in her own favour as well as to help lulu out of a scrape and i'll go right to work to clean em and have em ready for the frying-pan in less than no time yes they'll be very nice and the meat will keep for to-morrow was the gracious rejoinder you oughtn't to have gone off without leave lulu but i suppose max couldn't wait no aunt beulah he said he couldn't stay more than a minute shall i help anne clean the fish no go and make yourself tidy your hands are dirty your apron soiled and your hair looks as if it hadn't been combed for a week mrs crimp's face was gathering blackness as she scanned the figure of the young delinquent from head to foot spying out all that was amiss with it i will said lulu moving toward the door with cheerful alacrity oh i forgot and rushing into the hall she came back the next minute bringing her basket of treasures see aunt beulah i brought you lots of lovely leaves you know you said you wanted some to make a wreath and here are mosses and grapes and hazelnuts why you have made good use of your time mrs crimp said now entirely mollified bring your basket into the sitting-room where gracie is and we'll look over its contents max was less fortunate to-day than his sister his custodian was on the lookout for him cowhide in hand and seizing him roughly as he entered the gate with a fierce i'll teach you to disobey orders another time you young vagabond i told you to come home at noon and you're over two hours behind time he began to administer an unmerciful flogging stop cried max trying to dodge the blows how could i tell the time i came as soon as i thought it was noon but his tormentor was in a towering passion and would not stay his hand to listen to any excuse do you mean to kill me screamed max you'll hang for it if you do and my father your father believes in enforcing obedience to orders sir and i'll but at this instant there was an interference from a third party at a little distance some men were at work hewing timber they had been working there for weeks in which max had made acquaintance and become a great favourite with them particularly one called by his companions big bill because of his great size and strength he was a rough good-natured man with nothing of the bully about him but regarded with intense scorn and indignation any attempt on the part of the strong to tyrannise over the weak and defenceless he and his comrades had seen and heard enough in these weeks of labour in the vicinity of fox's residence to inspire them with contempt and dislike toward him on account of his treatment of max they had among themselves already pronounced him a wolf in sheep's clothing a hypocrite and a coward they had seen him watching for the boy with his instrument of torture in his hand and their wrath 
had waxed hot. When Max came in sight, they dropped their tools and looked to see what would happen. And at the first blow, Big Bill, muttering between his clenched teeth, I'll settle his hash for him, started the scene of action. Stop that, he roared. Stop that, you old hypocritical scoundrel. You hit that boy another lick and I'll knock you as flat as a flounder. The hand that held the whip dropped at Fox's side and the other loosed its hold on Max as he turned and faced his assailant. What do you mean by coming here to interfere in my business? he demanded. I mean to protect the weak against the strong, sir. I consider that my business. You've given that boy more unmerciful beatings already than he ought to have had in a lifetime. And he's not at all a bad boy either. I know all about that padlock affair, though he's never breathed a word to me on the subject, and I'd enjoy nothing better than thrashing you soundly. What's more, I'll do it if ever I know you strike him again or my name's not Bill Simpson. Max, if he ever does, you've only to let Big Bill hear of it, and he'll get ten times more than he's given. Thank you, Bill, said Max, running to the big, kind-hearted fellow and giving him his hand. I'm glad to be protected from him, though I don't want him hurt, if he'll only let me alone. Fox had already stalked away in the direction of the house, swelling with inward wrath, but assuming an air of injured innocence and offended dignity. Standing in wholesome fear of Max's self-constituted defender, he never again ventured to lay violent hands on the lad, but contented himself with inflicting many petty annoyances. End of chapter 11